What is up, everybody? This is Matilda Aguera Cooper, and you're listening to Finesse Your Wellness, the podcast that explores what it means to thrive and live well. Now, this season, I'm going to try some new formats, and the format is story time. So this is where I share a little bit of me (laughs) um, with you guys to kind of know my own journey and some of the things that I have experienced as far as wellness is concerned. So for this very first story time, I'm going to talk about how I started my fitness journey. So where do we begin? We will cast our minds back to the 80s. That was the decade I was born. And it just so happened. Now, I don't know who sowed this seed. It it might have been my mom. It might have been one of those things that is very much embedded in my DNA. But growing up, I was a very, very, very active kid. I think in hindsight, there could have been a lot of reasons why I used sort of sport and activity as an outlet. Um, Some people may know this, some people may not. I'm assuming you won't, but my father passed away when I was two years old. And of course, that would have been very traumatic, not just for my family, my mother, but of course, for myself. And I think later in life, I definitely have spent time trying to dig into any potential trauma that would have been, you know, experienced or I would have been going through because of that. Um, But in any case, I know that as a kid, I just had a lot of energy. At one point, I was formally diagnosed as someone who had ADHD. Um, I was on Ritalin. I cannot tell you how long for I'd have to ask my mother, but it was well documented that your girl had ADHD. So um, very energetic, very active. But you know what's mad? Like I always, even though I was very energetic, I also recall being someone who was very shy and reserved and introverted. But in any case, we're all multifaceted. At that time in my life as a kid, I was just the Energizer Bunny. (laughs) And that really meant that I loved cycling. I loved rollerblading. I remember when I got my first pair of rollerblades and I still have the leg scars to show for it. (laughs) Um, I was into basketball for a little bit. Sprinting was definitely my thing at school. And I absolutely loved sports day. I mean, PE, that was my jam. Just any place or space where I can just be active and sweat. That was me. Fast forward to moving to the UK um, and now being introduced to sport activity and PE in a really formal British way. (laughs) So in Texas, I definitely remember wearing just like shorts and a T-shirt. Now in England, I'm wearing like a PE skirt. I'm wearing plimsolls. I mean, can you even run in plimsolls? Like, what what are these shoes? <laughs> but I recall the PE skirt, the plimsolls, and the kind of shirt with the college shirt. And I'm just like, this is a very formal outfit to, to sweat in. But that was my first experience of British activity. Um, 
And as part of that, I remember being introduced to netball and thinking, why is this not basketball? And actually feeling like I didn't quite find my space and place in sport and activity. Like it just felt so foreign to me. It also didn't feel as fun as it felt when I was in Texas. Because in Texas, I was there from obviously the age of not to roughly 12. When I moved to the UK, I'm now in my teens. And it's interesting because, you know, recently I've been working on projects that's focused on young people, young women in particularly, and their lack of interest in sport in schools. And, and I totally understand why in hindsight, because it's just not presented in a way that's fun or exciting or engaging, you know, like nowadays at school, I'm pretty sure some schools, right? Not all schools, but some schools, they're like, yo, let's do some dance classes. Let's do some Afrobeat. Let's do something that's really fun and in line with your life stage and experience. Whereas back then, PE, UK, Birmingham, um, no shade to Birmingham. It's just where I was at the time, but it just wasn't, it just didn't feel cool. And so netball, yeah, volleyball, hmm, trampolining, kind of cool. But one thing I still loved was running. And whenever that came up in sports day, 100 meter sprint, that was me, 200 meter sprint, say less. It was definitely the lane I found myself in. However, once you decide to leave school and go to college, PE's gone. <laughs> and I'm, again, I don't know what it's like now for young people, but there is no PE. It, it is over. So, that meant from the age of 16 to 18, I wasn't very active at all. I, I mean, rollerblading, only God knows where those rollerblades went. God bless my mom for getting them, uh, getting them for me, but rollerblading was gone. Wasn't really riding a bike then, um, at least not the way I kind of cycle now all over town. Mm -mm, I wasn't doing that as a teen. And so by the time I got to uni, and I now have some degree of freedom. I think in like my kind of orientation pack, there must have been some discount for like fitness first. Because back then, being a student was the dream. You got all the discounts. You got all like the, the little offers. And I'm pretty sure that's how I discovered the gym. I think, again, if my memory serves me correctly, there might have been a gym on my campus, even though I went to a really small uni. Um, but in any case, I distinctively remember two things. In my um, second year at uni, I remember trying running. So again, I don't know if it was one of those things where I'm like, am I gaining weight? And maybe I'm becoming just so much more self-conscious about my body. And at this time, I'm probably aged 19, 20. Um, I definitely remember trying to go for a run in Leighton and just not liking it. <laughs> and I did that prime mistake that a lot of people make when they start out running, which was just going fast and trying to be a sprinter. So that didn't last long. And then when I took out a gym membership, so my first, first gym membership was at Fitness First, I discovered Step Class. 
And man, oh man, Step was my jam. Oh my goodness. The thing I loved about Step, and I probably failed to mention this, but as much as I was sort of running and cycling and rollerblading as a kid, I was also dancing. Yes, your girl was making up dance routines. She was watching the latest music videos on the box and MTV, trying to copy all the moves, move for move. And I remember once I did a little routine at school with my homegirl, Karen. We did it to No Diggity, Blackstreet. Mate, we were practicing. Like, I honestly, I was trying to be Fatima Robinson. If people that know that choreographer, I thought I was her. <laughs> Your girl love dancing. So fast forward uni days, I'm now discovering that dance is pretty much, or dance, sorry, step is pretty much dancing on a step. <laughs> it's choreography, it's moving fast, and it's moving to dope music. So for a very long time, step class is my jam. I also remember discovering spin, love spin. But the thing about spin, which is true even today, spin is really about the playlist, you know? I think the reason why I was so committed to step um, in sort of like my early 20s is because there was like a black step teacher at Fitness First who literally was just in her bag as far as those playlists were concerned. It was so good. So then... How did I get back into running, right? This is the million dollar question. So when I was, I want to say my mid twenties, I had a couple of friends that were into running and we decided to do one of the Nike races. Now in the kind of naughties, Nike had, was big on the races. They had like 10 Ks and Paula Radcliffe she was like the face of these races and they just seemed really fun and really accessible and it's interesting because I did a 10k recently and you know I looked around and firstly it didn't seem very youthful to me and I just remember the night races were so youthful it was it was just like this is college all over again and you know, this other 10K, again, really well-organized, lovely vibe, really sweet. But the Nike ones back in the day were just levels. <laughs> I mean, you had like the, the amazing interactive website, the hub. It was just really considered and creative. So it was quite an exciting thing to do. I did that race, I want to say in 2005. And a couple years after that, there were like annual races. Um, I think I did one more. And then that was kind of it for me and running until fast forward to, I want to say 2010. I'm a freelance journalist. I'm kind of looking after my health, kind of not. Um, my mom growing up used to be a nutritionist. And so... In the back of my mind, I've always known what I'm supposed to do <laughs> when it comes to food. That has always been there. Doesn't mean I always did what I was supposed to do, but I, I, you know, I, I knew 
what to eat, what not to eat. Um, I have always had a sweet tooth. It has been a thorn in my side because if I did not have that sweet tooth, my goodness, my fitness would be somewhere else. But, you know, balance in that. <laughs> but back then there was no balance, by the way. I mean, I could eat a whole cake for dinner and not look twice. And metabolism kind of works in my favor. But in any case, I knew right from wrong as far as kind of what to eat. I was semi-active, but I by no means had a lifestyle. No, 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 not at all. Nothing else. In my 20s, I was very much the person who was like, well, I got the metabolism and, you know, I'll go to the gym and I'll hop on a machine. You know, I might go to a Zumba class because that was a thing (laughs) at some point. Um, But I certainly wasn't consistent. I think it was just almost like, to do it because you, you know, you can say, oh, I go to the gym, I got a membership, but that kind of clocking of, no, no, you you need to do this. This is lifestyle. No, no. I was never there in my twenties, but a couple of things happened that I remember so distinctively. Number one, I have, have a mentor. Well, he, he was my mentor then. He's now just my brother now, bless him. But Justin, Justin, he was the entertainment editor at a newspaper called New Nation that I was freelancing for. And, you know, he's my editor. We were good friends then. And he was proper on his health. He still is now. Like he was about, he had the lifestyle locked in. And Justin's about maybe 10 years older than me. And I just remember him just being like, look, if you don't get on this, yeah, by the time you get older, psh, ain't nothing you can do. It will be very difficult to shift. Like, I just remember him saying that. And I think he had to tell me that because back then my diet was whatever. Like, there was a time in my life where I ate Nando's daily. That was my dinner. Nando's, quartered chicken breast, extra hot, regular spicy rice. That was my order without fail. Can you imagine daily Nando's? I don't even know if I have any of those photos <laughs> because your girl was certainly probably chunkier than she is now. Um, and I'm not chunky by now. Well, anyway, uh, so that I remember. And then I ended up working for another friend of mine, Tokes, who was proper about that fitness life. To this day, this guy is, he, he, he he's come to play no games basically and I mean I'm sh- pretty sure he used to like work out in his office like just let me just knock out some push-ups or something it's like what what is this <laughs> what is going on and he decided to organize a team of people to do Tough Mudder now I don't know exactly what made me do this what was the motive I definitely remember that he was going to organize training so that we can prepare for it. And so that was probably the first time that I conscientiously trained for something. So even when I did those Nike races back in the noughties, I didn't train for those. (laughs) I just rocked up and ran and hoped for the best. But with Tough Mudder, he was like, like Tokes actually organized sessions for us to be like, right, we're going to be at the track on this day. We're going to do these workouts. Like, it was not a joke. It was like proper military. <laughs> it was like a boot camp. Like, oh gosh, okay. Um, in any case, I was really committed to it. And then coincidentally, another friend told me about 
this running community that he was going to called Rundum Crew. And I think when he told me, I didn't end up going to Rundum Crew for like maybe two years. So he might have told me about it in like 09, 010, around the time that I was training for Tough Mudder. But then I didn't really rock up until 2011. And again, I think it coincided with the fact that in 2011, that was going to be the year that I turned 30. And, you know, when you hit those milestone years, you're like, man, I need to reassess my life. I need to reassess my life choices. This metabolism, yo, I don't know what's going on. I mean, certainly by the time I turned 30, you know, I was still in a good space and place, but I also recognized that this was the, this was the time to get myself, get myself together. This was the time. So I started going to Rundum Crew and I remember the first session I met a great guy called Paul Baines and the first session was actually in Myland. It was at Myland Track because the normal meeting spot for Rundum Crew was um, uh, Nike, the 1948 concept store. I think they were doing refurbishment. So it meant that Rundum Crew was taking place in this other destination and I just asked someone, okay, so how long are we running tonight? Like I, in my mind, I was just like, oh, we're just going to run for like, what, 15 minutes? And they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to do six miles. We're going to do a 10K. It's like, sorry, what? <laughs> sorry, come again? A 10K? Why? <laughs> that's, and me not recognizing back then that to run a 10K, you, that's at least an hour of running minimum, unless you're like Speedy Gonzalez. And so there was a lot of stopping and starting, a lot of panting, <laughs> a lot of, mm, wow, I didn't think I w this is not what I was expecting to do, but I wanted to experience it again. And so I started coming back every Tuesday, you know, shout out to some of the great people that I initially met because this was clearly a community of people who Again, we're not necessarily experts in running, but valued the space of bringing people together and helping them discover wellness and fitness um, in their own way. And so shout out to Rundum Crew because Rundum Crew was definitely the catalyst for my fitness lifestyle. So this is what happens when people get into running. This is what I've kind of noticed is almost like, wouldn't say the bell curve, but very much the trajectory. So you go for a run and your first run is trash. <laughs> but as the saying goes, you will never be as bad as your first run. So then you come back again, you do another run and suddenly it feels a little bit easier. And then as you start to build your endurance and your strength and your stamina, then the enjoyment kicks in because the endorphins are kicking in. And alongside that, as you're getting fitter, oh, your clothes are starting to fit better now. You're starting to look cute out here. And then you start to also recognize that there's a whole community of people that are about this running life. There's a whole uniform to this running life and then suddenly you've got like an identity and you're a part of this bigger 
network of people who have actually discovered the joy and love and benefits of running. So at some point on that trajectory, you then discover that not only can you look good running, but then you can start to get pieces of metal. You can actually be rewarded for putting in the effort of going out for a run. And then that's how you get into races. So my very first race with Rundem Crew coincided with the launch of this amazing movement led by Charlie Dark and several of the other OG pioneers of urban running. And that was called Bridge the Gap. And Bridge the Gap was simply a weekend dubbed Rum Party and Repeat, (laughs) where we would all descend onto a race that was taking place. This particular race was the Berlin Half. Now, I knew very little about Berlin. I'd never been before. I don't believe I'd done a half marathon before. At the most, I'd probably done maybe like 10Ks. Of course, we were doing 10Ks every Tuesday, more or less. Um, But yeah, everybody was on it. I didn't know what to expect. I signed up. I managed to find accommodation because by this time, actually, I didn't have like my run friends then. Like I was very much still a newbie and I had run acquaintances, but I didn't have like my people where it's like, right, girl, we going to get an Airbnb or whatever. It was just like, okay, let me just go along with the crowd and see where I I see where I land. Although I I did have friends, mind you, but everybody was just sorting out their own thing. I sorted out my own thing. Berlin was banging. (laughs) Very first Bridge the Gap, that trip from beginning to end was sick. I mean, the the spread that Nike had organized over there, the parties, the connections, the merch, it was insane. Like, who knew that you could have so much fun through running? So that was that. That's how running started my fitness journey. But what I would say that running didn't necessarily do for me was give me that full picture. So I was learning things about anatomy and nutrition as I was on this running journey. And that was very much down to the fact that I became friends with an amazing guy, Coach Corey. He was the run leader for Rundum Crew West at a, at that time. Again, amazing um, community, which would then evolve into what's now known as Track Mafia. And Corey, man, that guy, that guy's a legend. Let me just say that on the record, Corey would literally on his own off his own back, he would just put out the, the the bat signal for whoever wanted to run with him at the weekend, Saturday mornings. We would meet at like Victoria Station for 9 a.m. And we would just go on a long run. And I mean, as far as who that crew of people were, I think there were obviously people, Corey's people, um, 
people that were just connected into Rangdom Crew West. And I remember at the time I was training for a half marathon. And by this time, I'm now following training plans. I'm actually using a training plan. And there was one particular week where Corey's like, yeah, we're going to go long. We're going to do like 10, 11 miles. I was like, why? (laughs) I'm not due to do 10, 11 miles until like four weeks. Why am I doing that now? And his logic was, well, if you do it now, then by the time you get to week 10 and 11, it ain't going to feel as bad. I was like, okay, (laughs) I get it. And you know what? By the time I did my second half marathon, doing those long runs with Corey at the weekend, I ended up getting a PB by like 14 minutes. Mad. Wild. (laughs) So that was definitely a life lesson there. And so this is like the 2010s, right? So this is like 2012, 2013. I'm getting hard, hard into running. But that was all that I was doing. Your girl knew nothing about strength training. Your girl knew nothing about mobility. Your girl knew nothing about... I mean, I was definitely getting into the nutrition side of it because once you seriously get into running, you're hungry all the time. (laughs) And you can easily make the mistake of eating Nando's every day like I did. Or you can realize, wait a minute now, I need to start looking into the type of foods that can sustain me, slow releasing energy. And that's when I discovered things like porridge and sweet potatoes and quinoa. And all those good, good things that, you know, uh, would really fuel a runner in the right way. So I wasn't doing any of that stuff. But through some of the friends that I was meeting through Random Crew, we were all starting to kind of expand our horizons and discover other things. So now fast forward to 2015, your girl's still hardcore, Random Crew painted on my chest, hardcore ride or die. And I start working at timeout and I'm really into fitness. And also there's something happening in London as far as the fitness scene. There are all these boutique gyms popping up. So where you once just had like a fitness first, you now had specialist studios that focused on one type of activity. So back then you had cycle that was only devoted to spin Um, And a few other studios popped up and then you'd have boxing only studios, yoga studios, Pilates, all these kind of specialist studios. Um, And then, of course, unbeknownst to me, there was a gym chain called Third Space that was opening up another one of its many sites. And so I'm now working at Time Out. And one of the things I loved about Time Out is that you are very much about discovering the city in a brand new way in a really exciting and fun way now I wasn't for the hedonism (laughs) I was for the health so I remember pitching a column for our blog called fit goals and that was my monthly kind of digest of what was happening in London classes you could try places you could go new gyms and all of that and trust me your goal was going to all of them so this almost became my education in cross-training, recognizing that as a runner, you cannot just run, right? That That isn't going to make you necessarily a better runner. It's definitely a fast track to getting injured. <laughs> you need to do the other things that will help condition your body. So around this time, mid-2010s, I discovered things like strength training, like 
lifting heavy, throwing heavy things around. I discovered Pilates, recognizing that a strong core is the thing that you need to make you a good runner and just a good mover in general. I started respecting stretching. Your goal is not stretching. Imagine going for a long run and not stretching. And then to this day, I wonder why my knees niggly. It's like, yeah, do you remember back in the mid, mid 2010s when you didn't stretch? Mm. <laughs> I'm now reminding you of the air of your ways. That's my knee talking to me every now and again. So fundamentally, my fitness journey started as a kid. But then as I got into like these sort of prime years, these milestone years, like my 30s, I then sort of found my thing. I'm probably going to do a part two where I talk about how nutrition played a role in all of that. But for anyone who is looking to develop a fitness lifestyle, here are my, ooh, here are my three takeaways from my own story time. Here are my three takeaways. <laughs> Takeaway number one, find what you love. I can honestly say that when I started running, I didn't love it, but I fell in love with the run community, the space that running allowed me to explore. And that's the beautiful thing about running. Running is something that's so individualistic that you can very much make it your own. You don't have to compete with anybody. It also enables you to explore. So one of the things I really enjoyed doing through running was going to different destinations, discovering a, through, a new city by foot and just doing it at my own pace and in my own way. So there is really something about finding the thing you love. Like I spoke to someone the other day who was like, oh, I've tried running and I really don't like it. So I'm like, then don't do it. <laughs> it's not for everyone. Everything is not for everyone. Find the thing that works for you. Number two, consistency is key. Were it not for those Tuesday nights, I might have been really sporadic with running. But if you find something that you love, I think choosing to commit to it can actually be the thing that elevates you to a new level within that thing that you never thought you could hit. Like I remember a time, uh, one of my friends at Runda, Murdo, we were like, why on earth would we ever run a marathon? Like, that is not our portion. There's absolutely no need for it. Tell me why, aka NSYNC. <laughs> and lo and behold, your girls since run five. And so that's one of the beauties of kind of practicing and being consistent in a thing that actually, as you start to improve and get better, suddenly you're like, oh, the thing that I think that I thought I would never do, I'm suddenly very able to do. Um, and then finally, number three, learn about it. Learn about the thing that you are committing to. Like, it's so easy to jump into the hype of a thing like Real Talk, Random Crew. It was a hype thing when I joined. It was like, you know, it, it was the first urban run crew in London and, and most certainly the biggest one. And, you know, you can kind of just jump into something blindly and just go with the crowd. But I think you have to get to a point where it's like, let me actually learn about this thing that I'm committing to. Let me understand what it means to do a gait analysis so I understand the way that I run and therefore 
I'm wearing the right things when I go running. Let me actually start to think about the places that I like to run, the style, the style of running that that I do, you know, what is right for me. You know, when it comes to races, um, especially in running, you start to sort of identify the kind of races you like. So like, are you a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon, or a marathon, or an ultra marathoner? I think it gets to a point in your life where going along with the crowd isn't really going to serve you. And you need to kind of then start to identify where you fit within that space and also what that space is doing for you. So it then very much becomes unique because when you do that, you'll start to find that you're less tempted to compare yourself to people. You know, running is one of those things where, you know, people look at people's times or they want to know how fast did you do it? And I've now gotten to a life stage where I'm like, don't, don't watch my time. Don't worry about it. it like it means nothing. Did not every single one of us get the same medal? Mm, okay. So times are actually irrelevant because nobody actually cares. I just think the accomplishment of what you find within your activity of choice is the only thing that matters, right? So that's my first story time. I hope I did not bore you. <laughs> and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Finesse Your Wellness brought to you by Flygo Collective, a space for black women and women of color who want to level up their wellness and lifestyle. You can follow Flygirl Collective on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook or sign up to our mailing list at flygirlcollective.co for lovely tips, goodies and invites delivered straight to your inbox. Also, if you loved what you heard, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening and catch you on the next episode.